Welcome in On The Mark with Mark Carmen. Good to be here with you as the NBA Finals rolls on. We'll start there. Game two goes to the Golden State Warriors. I am predicting the Raptors to win the series, Ashley Young. I, I, right before game one, I was doing all my prep, and I'm, I'm reading Zach Lowe, and I forget exactly who he predicted, but like he went through all the matchups and why Toronto's here and why it's going to be a problem, and I'm putting it all together with my head, and nobody does a better job than Zach Lowe and breaking it down. And I was like, you know what? I'm going with the Raptors. I, I really think that Toronto's going to do this. And they win game one. I'm feeling great going into game two. They're up going into halftime. They're playing good basketball. And then an 18 nothing run, and it fell apart. And plus, Clay gets hurt, and you don't win that game. It's a huge, huge loss uh, for the Raptors, who now have to win a game in Golden State, which I think they're capable of doing, but that was a big-time loss. Any loss in the finals is a big-time loss. That's why you listen to On the Mark with Mark Carmen. I tell you things like a loss in the finals is a big-time loss. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Did you watch last night? I did watch last night, and that third quarter is the reason that I can't hop on this Raptors bandwagon. <laughs> I know better. I'm not trying to get heartbroken. The Warriors are going to win the finals. That's just how it goes. I'm not going to be heartbroken for the record if the Raptors lose, uh, but I would like to be right because, you know, my... my we all e- want to be right, my, but I think that's why I'm picking the Warriors to win the NBA finals because I want to be right. Well, look, I'm talking to myself right now. <laughs> Let's it, flesh this out a little it, bit. If Clay Thompson is, is not 100% and Kevin Durant is coming back, it is actually shaping up. Perfect for the KD return, and he saves the Warriors. Look, Clay was out, and the Raptors were right there. This is a phenomenal basketball team, incredibly talented defensively, and Kawhi is, you know, getting better and better seemingly by the day. So, and then here comes KD to save the day. And I let's, don't want that narrative either, though. It's a very possible narrative that we'll be talking about. I mean, if he comes in, let's just say for for argument's sake that he plays in, say, game four, Mm -hmm. and they're down 2-1, and the Warriors end up winning the series. He didn't even play in the first three games. He might be the MVP of the series. Like, that could happen. He's just that good. Right. So, he's going to come in. What is he going to do? He's going to come in, save the series. You just said the Raptors are going to win. So he could also are we backpedaling a little bit. Well, I, I mean, I, who the hell knows what's going to happen here? Knows? But I mean, he could also come back, blow out his calf. I, you know, Jesus. I, well, I, I think you know what, what happens with winning game two. You can extend it out mm-hmm. now. He yeah, doesn't have to, to play in game three. You lose game two, mm-hmm. you're down two. Oh, game three feels like a must win if you're Golden right. State. Uh, any rate, that was a, that was a big time loss by Toronto. I. The Raptors kind of drive me crazy. <laughs> uh, number one driving me crazy right now is... Uh, I was going to go Serge Ibaka. I was going to say Drake, but okay. Drake is kind of a star. How do you feel about Drake? I, I, I feel like he's good for the league. I think it's good to have big-time guys sitting in the front okay. row. Uh, loving basketball. But is he? Lo- he's perf- it's performative to me. It's a little too much. You can be a fan. You're giving uh, little back rubs on the side of the court. I don't know. The back rub thing was over the top. Don't, okay, don't we be, can agree on that. Don't, don't be touching Nick Nurse. You're, know, your, know your place in life. I, I understand you're big-time Drake. You don't get to rub the coach. But he was just, <laughs> on, the other side, on the other side, it's like he's just having fun, and I don't want to be the anti-fun guy, Okay. which will take us into uh, a topic yeah. of anti-fun. All right, here's some anti-fun for you. I, uh, 
if you're just getting to know me and on the mark, I do the White Sox uh, show each week on WGN Radio, which is White Sox Weekly on Saturdays. I also do some of their post-game shows. So Saturday was White Sox Weekly, and I'm doing the post-game show. And it's a, the White Sox coming into this game have won five in a row. Mm-hmm. They're battling for second place. It's about as big of a game as the Sox have had in probably five years. Now, right, it's early. It's June. The Sox have been... This They're is the, rebuilding for people that aren't White Sox fans. It's right. been a long, long couple of years. Six straight years, they finished under 500. Here they have a chance to get to 500, get into second place. It's the seventh inning. They're down 4-1. They get it to 4-2. They've got runners on base. I'm very excited. And the stadium, it's a Saturday. Everyone's out there to have a good time. And they start doing the wave. Mm-mm. while the Sox are batting. And I'm sitting there in my little press box seat, and I'm, I'm watching, I'm like, sit your ass down and yell at the person next to you, don't do this, don't do this. Uh, and I just don't understand why would you ever do the wave at any point. And, like, it, it offends me that it's happening in Chicago, one of the greatest sports cities mm-hmm. in the country. Like, I would get it if it was in Memphis, no, with all due respect, or maybe at a Tampa Bay Rays game. Okay, you guys have nothing to do, even though your baseball team's pretty good. But regardless, like, like somebody like that, okay, fine. But this is Chicago. I was embarrassed, and I'd like to ban the wave. I, I'm, I'm, pro- I'm on board for the wave ban. Like, how do you, like, do you feel peer pressure when the wave's coming at you? No, I get really stressed and sweaty and nervous because I don't want to be the anti-fun girl. So you do feel it. But I would never do it because it's stupid and I don't want to be associated with that. But so let's, let's just say, hypothetically, you have a beautiful family, Ashley, from all accounts. Mm-hmm. Do you have like an extended cousin who you might go to a game with who's like 10? Oh, no. He's, the baby is 18. So. Okay. Well, okay, <laughs> I don't no. care. I would teach. That's a teaching moment. You go to the game with a young kid. I don't care that you're cute. I don't care that the other kids are doing it. That's a teaching moment. And my kids won't do the wave. It's <sighs> distracting. It's embarrassing. You go to the game with a date, they do the wave. That's a red flag. I'm out on all accounts. There's never an acceptable time. To do the wave. So, so you're saying if it was early in a relationship and he takes you to a baseball game and he gets up for the wave. I would be horrified, horrified. Would you, cu- would you have a conversation before the wave got to you and, and warn him, like, look, if you stand up here, I'm not going to be joining you? What, or would you just let it unfold in an organic wave date? I think I have to see mode? what happens. You kind of want to know <laughs> what you're getting into. I want to know where they stand, right? Hey, oh, this is, yeah, I'm not a huge wave person, but you were into it, so I figured I would join you. No, I think, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. <laughs> you are the company you keep, and I refuse to be associated with that. Well, I don't, I don't know how to get this like put into law, but I think it should be on the back of a ticket. You, you will, you get to keep the baseball that you catch. Mm-hmm. We aren't responsible if you get injured by the baseball, mm-hmm. and if you do the wave, we'll eject you. Yeah, there should be wave shaming. Right? Wave shaming, yeah. Like there could, there should be a sign on the scoreboard. Please do not do the wave. I don't get it. What's enticing about it? Well, they're bored. They're at a baseball game. But is the wave that exciting that it negates nine innings of a very slow sport? I mean, twenty five thousand eight hundred and seventy three. I think thought so. It, it, there, or is it one person's into it and everyone else succumbs to peer pressure? Well, that's how I. That's the other thing. How did this start? Like, where were these people? Who mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I I didn't get the beginning and how. And then it builds and you all want to do the wave. I, this is uh, this is what's keeping me up at night, but I want to get into one personal issue. 
This is a this is a tough one for me, Ashley. <laughs> I am a member of the the Body Lux uh, Massage uh, Extravaganza, and this is uh, you know professional mm-hmm. massage situation, and uh, you know nothing nothing below board here, if you will. So so I go to the Body Lux. I, I've been seeing the same therapist for a long time, and you know she does a great job. But uh, she only works in the mornings, and you know I've, I'm back playing my sports here. I had a little bit of a toe injury. Now I'm back out there. The body's feeling a little, little in need of some recuperation, and I so I needed a, I wanted to get a massage, and I didn't have the time to do it in the morning. So I went for an afternoon, and I had a much better experience. <laughs> and so this is like, I feel like you know. A friend of mine Ooh. who I've been going to, and like now it's at the same. But you've upgraded. You yeah. left when you were talking about this earlier. You made it sound like a breakup. Well, but you upgraded. I I feel like I have, I'm into an upgrade. I mean, I, this the way she was grabbing my neck. I've never. She's it was really just like get in was, there. It was so painful. She's like, well, you've got a gremlin in there, and we really <laughs> got to get it out, right? I got a gremlin in my neck, so but it was working, and I came out of there. It's like, oh my god, I feel amazing. Yeah. And so now, they both work at the same place. I'm gonna run into the same person. I feel like this is a breakup. It's like you're dating, and then you went and dated their sister. Something. Something like that, right? Right. I mean. Ooh. And I what just, do do? I, I don't know. So I, I mean, I booked one with the new one, right? but I felt like I had to book one with the old one too. So like, how I, long had you been seeing the old one? Like th- two, three years. This is a three year relationship. Yes. I mean, is that a conversation? Hey, uh, by the way, I'm really sorry that I'm, I'm think Tara does a better job than you do. Uh, I mean, I don't think you need to say that, but now you said it on the podcast, so it's out in the open. <laughs> I mean, it's out there. We're naming names now. I mean, I named the company. This whole yeah, thing is out there. This is like a shameless plug, but I mean, I, I would have went with the, the half-truth. The half schedule truth. changed. You My know? schedule the, the changed. Times, the time just doesn't work out. It's not you. It's me. I'm really busy <laughs> with work, and you know, I've enjoyed our two years together, but... I got to go nights now. Yeah, it's it's just uh, and the other one came in. She's like she's like so I've seen that you're. I don't want to give the name of the one I'm leaving. She's like so I've seen you've been doing a lot of time with so no, and so. You got called out. Well, she just she she checked my file, and I'm like that's correct. I she's the greatest. Oh, and then I think she almost came in there and motivated to show like yeah no this you're you just upgraded buddy. This is a better experience. You're never going back. Oh my god, they're fighting over you. I well, I don't know. Maybe they are. Like I almost sort of want to like show up just like two minutes late so the other the new the old one will be into her new session and like mm. I, I just this, don't know what to do. Stressful though. But I did wait long enough where the old one mm-hmm. was already booked up on that day. So oh. that's my out. Okay, that's a good strategy. You were you were booked. Yeah, you were booked. And I needed to go in at that exact time. But what happens if she says to me, Do you like Tara better than me. Would I, you ever ask someone that though? Maybe. Is that realistic? Probably not, but I That's like worst case scenario. There are we'll play pe- worst case scenario. If I was I mean, in a Seinfeld episode, the, the the massage therapist would for sure ask, Do you like Tara better? And then you and then he, you then you get I I just No, see that's your problem. You're too honest. We have to prepare your answer, and your answer is you're both great. See, and you're go be- back to the time. You've got to fall back on the time. See, see, you're better at this than I am. I just go raw honesty and then I then I 
don't sleep at night. That's yes. what ends up happening. It's good to be honest. Half truth. It's a half truth. I got to be honest. Uh, I, I mean, she's may, so much better. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we can get to the level that that Tara's bringing. But right now, you're just not there. You, you don't. I don't. I don't feel the full effort from you. You do too much of the arm bar action. Mm-hmm. I need more of the hands in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you, you were given. You were half assing it, and, and it cost you. Oh my God! Please don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, let's let's move on. As uh, these, there are people who actually need massages, unlike me, uh, who are fighting in the UFC 238. It's in Chicago. Henry Cejudo. He's a gold medalist in the Olympics, and he's also a champion uh, in the UFC right now. And he's trying to hold the title in two bouts. So we're going to start our conversation. Henry is a very interesting guy. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Let's bring in Henry right now. UFC 238, June 8th, United Center. Look who's here, the messenger, Henry Cejudo. Look, would you just go to the United Center and you got yourself a jersey? What's I did, going on man. I, I did, man. It's, uh, it's awesome, but I'm, it's surreal. It's surreal for me today, going out there and seeing uh, the Michael Jordan statue and then being, you know, being given, I, I, got, I got my name on the back. How awesome is that? Uh, it's cool, man. <laughs> it's cool, you know. It's cool to be able to, you know, fight, too, eventually with, with the, the great Michael Jordan played you know to me it's i'm on cloud nine so but you're in you're an la guy i mean what's up with uh like not in chicago okay. <laughs> <laughs> i mean we got we got kobe we got mike we got lebron but you're you're you're, you're comfortable and mj is the greatest of all time of course he is but like some people might not know that coming yeah from. yeah you know and it's man god yeah because you can't you can't you can't deny the six titles man the retirement of two years coming back and winning three yeah. I mean, Jordan. Jordan was something special, but also LeBron, dude. What he's been able to do. I mean, and then Kobe. I mean, these are these are the three. I don't know who I would pick to be quite honest with you, but obviously, as of right now, because of because of what MJ's done, you have to. Can we let's let's start at the beginning here for you. You're you're one of seven kids, right? Mm-hmm. Your your mom is doing everything she possibly can to to raise you. Your dad, you've talked about this bunch of mm-hmm. uh, drug addict, wasn't, ar- wasn't around, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, just not even wasn't around, just wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and zero comfort as a kid. Like, there, you no, no bed, no pillow, no, I mean, like, no, no just, how just a typical, it? typical, uh, I don't even know, say, say typical, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of poverty in America. And I believe in, at that time in 80, you know, I was born in 87, around 87, like, all the way to, like, the, God, mid '90s, like it was, it was pretty bad for us, you know. And when you when people talk about ghettos and crime and drugs and all that, like we weren't even thinking about that. Like we're just thinking about how do we survive? How are we gonna eat? How how are we gonna stay malnutrition, especially yeah. in the summers when school was out? So, when I, I come from a good family, uh, obviously my father was an alcoholic, you know, in and out of jail. You know, pretty much he got deported by the time I was, I forget what age, but I was pretty much raised by my mother who traveled the, you know, we traveled from like three, four different states, man. And I went to 13 different elementary schools. Wow. Um, a little bit of unsteady, but it was also, uh, it was also an adventure too. You know, I, 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 I embrace all the adversity that's been, that's been given to me because I've been able to handle it very, very well, even as a little kid. So sort of like you know what you know, basically, as a kid, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's but no, but even as a kid, it's just reality. You know you're different. You know you're not gonna ask for Christmas presents because you're not gonna get it. So why even bother? Right. Santa Claus don't exist. 
at six, seven years old, like you're already like, oh yeah, that's the make-believe guy. But you're, so you're at school and you know the kid sitting next to you is getting gifts and whatever else he's got and, and you're sitting there, I mean, how do you, how were you at that time? Like just holding yourself as, did you feel less than, I don't know. Um, yeah, but probably at that time, probably, yeah. but at the same time it's, it's you, you know, you, you, you face it even, even at that time. It's just, dude, there's, there's only so much an immigrant woman could do. I didn't speak a lick of English. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, man, we'd, we'd be happy to even just see her come to the house because she would work so much. Well, you know, so it was it was a different level of gratitude for us. So it wasn't necessarily the the nice shoes or the bike. It was more was like, hey, man, my, our mom's home. She we can get a, she can cook for us today. You know, well, she's not that tired. Wow. So to to that extent, when I'm telling you, one of seven kids, like it was literally raised by a single mother. I literally mean it. Yeah. Like, no uncles. Actually, we did have uncles that came in, but they weren't much. Uh, you know, it was like no, nobody really brought us in. Like, we had, a, we had to survive and do it on our own. How'd you, I would you say, fall into wrestling? How'd you, how did you approach that? Because, you know, you go, you go on to win a gold medal at, at a very young age, the youngest ever Mexican-American to do that. Uh, just how did you, you maybe had a... This is something that I feel like I'm good at. I love it. I mean, how, how did that happen? It was, it was through, uh, through, I think you would say nurture and nurture and nature. I had, the, I had the mixture of both worlds. Even though my dad was always in and out of jail, every time he would get out, he was, he was always in shape. He was a dude, I look identically like him. Like he was, uh, he was uh, I found out later, he was like a diver. Okay. And then he was a bodybuilder. And I knew that since the beginning. So genetically, he was always good. He would come out and get my mom pregnant. So a lot of it, you know, my mom never drank, smoked, or anything. So it was kind of, kind of those those genes. And then and then through, uh, and then through uh, through through nurture, how I was raised. Just yeah. because I was the youngest of the family didn't mean I didn't mean I was getting everything. I was a spoiled kid. No, 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 not in my family. Dude. I was the one. That, I was the guinea pig. I was the one that got beat up. I was the one that was picked on by my by my brothers and sisters. You know, I was the one that was challenged. So you had to learn to do something just so you weren't, so you could survive in your own household. Yeah, yeah, and I got, I got beat up until you know until I started wrestling very well, probably until high school. But uh, yeah. you was it true you weren't supposed to be on that 08 Olympic team? They were you were more 2012, but they're like, all right, Henry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and I I remember moving on to the training center when I was 17 years old. I was a junior in high school, and I remember going out there because I got I got called. It was like a, this is an experiment, sort of what they do with China and little kids, how they put them in a, you know, an athletic camp, and hopefully within the next you know eight to twelve years they can become Olympic champions. And they tried to do the similar thing with me, but they they had envisioned 2012, and I says I says and, and I remember telling them, I was like I don't need 2012. I said you give me the resources, you give me the time, you give me everything that I need, man. I will do it in 2008. Like that determined at the age of 17, like That's that, crazy. like that, that determined. I says, guys, I can beat all these guys. I can beat them all. And in a sport like wrestling, the toughest sport in the world, when you hear it from a guy, they're just kind of like, ah, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard this before. But the difference was, is I was, I was just, I was built different. I was, my greatest asset is my mind. I'm very healthy up here. Where are we giving credit to the confidence and this, this, this mind being as... I mean, as I, and, and people would trip out when I tell them. It's like, I, I feel like since I was born, I've had it. Like a gift, almost. Like, I know, I know that I could reach as far as the unreachable, you know. 
And and yeah, obviously my mom always edified us. She she was very uh, kind of ruled with the iron fist. Like it wasn't a mom that was like, oh my, like no, she was a regiment. Like when we went to church, we sat down like, like we're like we're a communist. <laughs> we're gonna do this right. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So a lot of it second place. It just how come you can't be first? I, I see on the Twitter and and you got you know you got books out there too, but motivational speaking and is and I've, I've seen you on on mountains taken in nature. So who I, who inspired you? And 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 it seems like this is something you want to give back to just to get people. To be their best. Yeah, no, because a lot has been given to me, man. A lot has been given to me through sports athletes or, or even the government, man. I was a welfare kid. You know, I almost feel like now it's it's my stewardship to uh, to give back, man. So I, I do techniques of the week, which is a technical, you know, wrestling and whatnot. But I just feel like everything starts with the mind. If you're able to build this, and the rest will be a lot easier. Mm -hmm. It starts with the mind and it ends with the mind. And I feel like that's... That's a great trait that I have, and I've been able and I've been able to speak about it all across the country in front of the the world's most recognized brand, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, uh, you know, uh, TD Ameritrade, the Pentagon, in front of Congress. Like I've been, I've been fortunate, but I just I don't feel like I've been giving en enough to the fans, to the people, and uh, that's kind of what I'm starting now. What's What's the message you want to get out there? Oh, it's, it it's, it, it, it's, it's very complex. I think, uh, I think the, the secret to success and what I live by, the model that I live by, is called dream, sacrifice, victory. It all starts off with the dream, and you have to be faithful to that dream. That dream, what is a dream? Your dream is your imagination. Your dream is, is, is something that you're obsessed with, and I'm here to tell you that you can accomplish that. But second, you have to understand the true meaning of what it's like to sacrifice. Sacrifice family, friends, uh, certain people of your time, certain people in your life that... That's just, you, you got to kind of cut out the fat and understand that. So if you dream, so the sacrifice always has to be greater than the dream in order for you to accomplish victory. So I call it dream sacrifice victory. But but every scenario, every scenario is different too. So there's a lot, it's very, it's not complicated, but it's complex. People don't want to get into that sacrifice part. <laughs> or they no, think that no, everybody wants, 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 but are they willing to give? And I can tell you, I, I, I gave a lot of things up, man. I gave my childhood up. I gave my teenagers up. God, I even broke up with girlfriends, girls that I was supposed to marry for this. You yeah, know, so it's, it, it's heavy. It's heavy, but it all depends is how, how bad do you really want it. Right. How bad? That's a not letting anything get in my way. Like, uh, that's what it takes. And I there's a balance of some sort, but there's not a balance. It's an 80-20 balance. There's an 80, boom, to the dream. The 20 is to life. I think you're being kind of the 80. Could be like 95.5. No, <laughs> obviously you gotta Maybe. eat. You gotta, you gotta fell. I mean, that's important too. Okay. Well, I'll put that in like the, the 80. I'm just allowing like 5% distraction. But okay, let's let's talk about Marlon. Um, he does not like you. He is he is like offended that you're moving up a weight class. He 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 thinks you're being. A lot of people think you're being selfish. He's saying he wants to he wants to hurt you. Be, he wants to put his fist through your face. Whatever else it is. I mean, this this is a it's an angry man you're going to be fighting. Yeah, yeah. And they've all said that. Demetrius said the same thing. TJ said the same thing. They said the same thing at the Olympics. And I proved, I proved them all wrong. I hope he brings that energy come June 8th. Like, I really do. I hope what he says he, he, can, he can manifest because I'm going to be ready. Brickstone, you know, Brickstone hit back, and I'm not a brick, man. I'm a very, I'm one of the greatest competitors of all time, in my opinion. 
I've, I've competed against the best. I've accomplished some of the things that nobody has ever won the Olympics and the UFC title. Two of the toughest things any human being could ever do, and I've done. So if you think I'm going to... So if you think your words are going to lure me or are going to scare me, it's like, man, you're in for a treat, man. Did, does TJ 32 seconds take you to a whole nother level? I mean, I, you know, I saw you talking about before the fight, and you were like, I'm coming. But like, to do what you did, that's, that's got to... I mean, that's got to even maybe even impress you. Um, I was ready. I knew I was going to beat TJ. Maybe not in 32 seconds, but I knew I was going to beat him. Like, there was no doubt in my mind I was going to beat him And in reality. And, and I go into that. With, with, with DJ, it was a little different, man. Yeah. It was a little different animal. Like, I knew. It was like, hey, man, there's a possibility where you can give it all you got, but the dude is the greatest of all time. Like, you're going up against a Michael Jordan <laughs> yeah. of MMA. Statistically proven, I mean, the dude is, we can say John Jones or whatnot, but this guy has been healthy, this guy has been clean, this guy knows how to wrestle, do jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and how to figure him out. So to me, is TJ was just another version of DJ, but just a little more diluted. Dude. To the fans that don't understand fighting, they thought, oh my God, there's knockout power. He knocked out Cody once or twice, and it's the same thing with Marlon. It's, guys, I'm, I'm a gamer. I will find a way to beat you. I got a safety net, and it's called wrestling. And I'll use it when I have to. And I can strike too, by the way. This sounds like you got a little bit of that mind thing going on in there too. <laughs> I, I get a little razzled. I get a little hype. Yeah. You're doing it to me. You're doing it to me. I'm going to have to start charging you. <laughs> <laughs> so we got dollars over it. It's okay. Uh, are, you, are you worried they're going to get rid of the 125? No, no, I, I don't think so. I think now they see the big picture, especially what happened with TJ, and then especially what happened with TJ too, what recently happened with him pissing hot. Um, I, I think there's a lot of good quality fighters down there. And then think about it, Demetrius Johnson was pound for pound the best fighter in, in the world for years. Now I defeated him, I defeated the guy up a weight class. I was like, hey, dude. What's not intriguing about this weight? I just took out the Bantamweight champ, one of the faces of the UFC in 32 seconds. You want to get rid of it? Right. Well, come on, man. Come on. Do, does that make you not want to rematch him as much because of pissing it, hot? It doesn't. It doesn't. No. I, right. I don't, actually. Okay. I'm not about that. I'm a competitor. I'll shake your hands. Like anything, anything past after we get done fighting, dude, I have no animosity, no hate towards anybody, nor before the fight. I'm a businessman. I'm a, I'm a competitor, man. But when somebody, you know, it's, it's an even playing field, but when somebody like that kind of takes it to the next level, we're not hitting a, we're not hitting a baseball, man. We're not hitting a little baseball. You're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, gonna be throwing some leather at each other, elbows, knees, submissions. What if you would have hurt me? I got a mom, I got brothers, I got sisters. Luckily, I don't have any kids. But, dude, it could be fatal. And it's unfortunate, but I, I don't know the true circumstances with, with, with TJ, and, and I hope all this stuff is, gets resolved. But it's just unfortunate because it only hurts our sport. And, I, and I've heard him in the past that he's been doing it, and I never brought it up out of respect for him and out of respect. You know what, whatever happened in the past, I'm over it. But now that it kind of surfaced again, I'm just like, damn, dude, really, man? We shook hands. We said, let the best man win. Shit, we even exchanged numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you gonna pull that? Pfft. It's yeah. sad, man. Like, it, and you want to know my real emotions? Like the day I found out, man, I was just like real, like emotional. Like almost wanted like to cry. I'm like, damn, dude, people are are that insecure. People are that 
people have that much malice, man, to uh, to do that. Yeah, like, it, it, it's a trip, man. So I, it's 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 interesting because like, it's different the way you just line up. I don't think people think about that. It's, they that's don't. Another human being. They don't. They don't. Not, they you're don't. not just trying to hit baseballs and get a huge contract. You're putting. An, I mean. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I saw Marlon talking about it. He's like, I don't care what you do. I'm just going to come in there and, and fight you. And I'm, I'm hearing your side of it, and, and I think what you're saying makes a whole lot more sense. I mean, if you got to fight, you got to fight straight up. Yeah, if you got to, yeah, because you, you got to respect every opponent. That lets you know, man, someone that says that, like, you know, whatever, oh, I'm going to take you out, like, that just lets you know, like, they're, they're far off here. Right, because they don't they don't understand that at any at any given at any given moment you can get knocked the hell out. Yeah, and they're gonna be a lot more power, a lot more force if there's a little bit of, a little bit of more juice behind it. So you po you potentially could be holding up two divisions here. Potentially or potentially defending both divisions. That's a Ralph. That's what I'm saying. You know, so you, so, so you fight both. But why not? Isn't that why hard not? to do? It is, it is, but I, I'm a competitor, man. Look, look, look at who I fought. Demetrius yeah. Johnson, TJ Dillashaw, now Marlon Marais. I'm an active champion. I'm not yeah. out here freaking kissing babies. I'm, I'm, I'm going out there. I'm doing my PR work. I'm hyping up the fight. I'm doing what I got to do to, you know, to, you know, to get fights. And, and I'm, I'm not taking a I'm a champion out there. I'm not taking breaks. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm injured for a whole damn year. Like, no, I, I'm... I'm, I continue to keep pushing myself and competing against myself so I can put, you know, be in the history books for forever. Forever and ever. Amen. That's beautiful. But if, see, I always like, when, we, when people talk about legacy and history books, I'm like, not, nobody remembers anyone. It's about, like, you get to live this right now. Like, you, you're never, you know, when you're 50 or whatever, you're not going to be doing this. No. So no. this is like, yeah. you know. No. There's got to be something about the moment that's amazing. And, and, and it is, and it's special, man. Like, it's, dude, it feels so good to be the champion. And, and not necessarily just be the champion, but to be in my situation. Because I can honestly tell you, I am living my dream. I, <laughs> sir, am living my dream. Olympic champion, UFC champion, and then you just added another belt on top. Dude, that's just a cherry on top. That's right there, baby. Look at that yeah. thing. Yeah, I have one. Now I just got to get the band away, bud. <laughs> But what I'm saying is it, yeah. it, it's, it's in the category of being one of the greatest combat athletes of all time. Not the greatest fighter of all time, not the greatest wrestler. But when you combine these two things together, who has my accolades? John Jones? Daniel Cormier? Yet. <laughs> None of them. And, and I respect them. Right. When it comes to like, the king of combat, I believe, you gotta, I, I believe I am the front runner. Let me just rewind back then, because when you boil it all together, like, what was your favorite thing about being an Olympic champion? Like, how do you, how would you compare that to raising the belt, wearing the belt? Oh, man, being an Olympic champion, it's just, it, you, it's just beautiful, great belt. Beat Demetrius Johnson. I think it, it's special, man. I get more recognized with this, obviously, but I'm, I'm more respected because of the gold medal. Yeah, it's true. Because not everybody, not everybody's like, oh, dude, that's that weird stuff that they do. But when you when you when you bring an Olympic gold medal, you represent your country. You're like a, a patriot, a hero, and it feels good to hear it from everybody. Everybody from a, a nine year old grandma to a six year old kid. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it it's it's special, man. It's special, and like I said, I'm 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 living my dream because of because of the hard work, because of what I've what what I've what I've put my body through, my mind, my soul, my time. 
I'm living it, man. And I, I gave, I gave, I talked to Jessica today about it too. I'm like, put this belt on. And she's like, no, 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 I'm not gonna do it until it's like, no, it's like that. I'm like, I'm telling you, man, put it on. Feel that weight. Feel like what it's gonna feel like. Feel it, man. Feel the, feel the fact that it's gonna be tangible on you. It's gonna be a little more surreal, a little more real. So you could actually feel it rather than, okay, it's gonna be a surprise for me when I be Valentina. It's like, no, the time is now. See, I think that's something that only a fighter can understand. Like what it actually means to have it. Yeah. You know, that's, it's. But it's not even necessarily that, man. Like, like now, because I, I, I'm, I'm pro, you know, now I can consider myself a legend, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I truly can. Like a legend of sport. Maybe in MMA, it's still yet to be written, but in sports, I was like, hey, this guy's a competitor. And winning world titles like this against the caliber athletes that you have been, it's not, it's not, it doesn't even become about the belt no more. I get a high more on feeling these emotions, dude. This, this emotion of accomplishments, like receiving a diploma of everything you've ever thought up here. Yeah. Now, I'm, now I'm living it. Now everything, everything that I said up here is finally true because I, ma- I manifested that. And that's what's special about it. I saw one quote that you was, uh, go in to kill and be willing to die to do it. Mm-hmm. That's intense. Mm-hmm. Like... I'm gonna step in here, and no, I'm, I'm, no matter what happens, I'm gonna win this. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna come out on top, and I'm gonna put my life on the line. Yeah, everybody's everybody's willing to kill to win, but who's 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 truly willing to die to win? And that's the difference. I'm willing to die, and I'm a freaking, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kamikaze. I'm going out there, and I'm gonna, you know, it's it's a, it's it's that mindset. It's that mindset of. Uh, Okay, man. I, I am I am willing to kill you, but I'm also willing to die, and I can accept it. That's that's a, that's that's a level. That, <laughs> I want to survive, yeah, but yeah. I, but you know, but, but I, you know what I'm saying. Like not, you know, it's not like I'm going to war and, and, and shooting guns. Well, a little and, bit. I mean, not but not, not but, that but in some sense, like yeah, man, you can learn a lot from a freaking serial killer. Yeah. You ever seen a? You ever seen a? You ever watch Forensic Files or or a serial killer just talking? You see like the evilness in their eyes, like. Dude, when they mean when they say something, it's like they mean it. Yeah, it's, and it's terrifying. like damn. There's a lot of yeah. It's terrifying, but there's in some crazy way, sick way. There's passion in there. Yeah. As crazy as that sounds. I you know. I listen. There's. I. I get it. You. You. You live in a very intense land, and however you can pick from like little things. I mean, people. Your guy, guys like you. They say this is this is the language. This is the verbiage. I'm coming in to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, the subject's getting a little. I'm like getting the chills. Yeah, me. Too. Well, here you see, this is the thing though. You you sort of you 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 enjoy like leaning into the cringe and sort of being the weird guy. You'll be in bed. You'll yeah. you'll you'll send tweets out at people who who've, who've got you know girlfriends, boy, uh, ramping it up. Roses are red because I got a. What do I got here? Like, Roses are red. Uh, Jesus, I'm never gonna live that down, Dave. So they're turning blue because I got a real championship gold, and I have a loaded question for you. I'm I mean, you're willing to go there. I am, I am, I am. And the reason why I'm willing to go there is because of my division. Okay. Demetrius Johnson was the greatest fighter of all, the, of all time in history, in human history. Talk to him in an interview. Yep. Nope. <laughs> yep. Like, dude, I wonder why they're trying to get rid of our division. Yeah, you beat the crap out of all of us, but dude, if you're a little more charismatic, a little more open, maybe, maybe you wouldn't be in the situation. And guess what? It took Henry to resurrect that. 
And, yeah. uh, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm gonna continue because people won't get it, man. People won't get it until it's like, oh, damn. The people that do get it, it's like, dude, Henry's doing a lot for us. Whether we like him or not, whether he's cringy or whatever, he, he's, people are talking about him. So this is, I see, I feel like it's part of, I don't know you as well as I know my closest friends here, but like, I feel like this is you. It's not like, you're doing it for business, but it's also like, yeah. you, kind of, it's, you wouldn't do it I'm, if it didn't align with you in some way. I'm a very, I'm a very, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe you two words that I could, if I, if I may, if you were to describe me. And then one is, number one is I'm, I'm, I have a lot of, I'm very grateful. I have gratitude in me. And I think that brings in a lot of happiness. Like I'm a very, very happy human being. Like I truly, truly am. And I think, and I was researching like the word on gratitude and I listened to this passion by the name of Rick Warren and he talked about, and this is before I even had ever thought about this. I was like, you were describing it to be gratitude. But he talked about how gratitude is the greatest emotion any human being could ever have. Ever have. So I would say uh, I'm very grateful. And then number two is I'm very carefree too. Not careless, but carefree. Like, I'm just a carefree person. My house can burn down tomorrow. I'm just like, well, I can make a joke about it. I can lose everything. I can, I, the, the next 10 minutes we can just crack up and I can, you know, pop a beer with the friends and just laugh about everything. Hold on, the Arizona <laughs> house? That, I'm, uh, that, thing, this, that thing's sweet. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's, I'm, just, I, I'm just giving you an example, but it's like I'm very... Yeah. My gold medal burnt down. It burnt. And yeah. I was just, dude, that same day, I was, I was cracking a, that same hour, that 30 minutes. My friend and him wake me up and I started blaming him and kind of almost died or whatnot. And I, we were, I was cracking jokes and people were like, man, this dude is a trip. Moving through the emotion. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like, so, what, do we, what, do you, what do you do when you cry and you, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything? I'm not saying crying is, because is, is, crying could be good too. Right. But, dude, the situation's done. Right. It's, right. it's, it's the memory. It's the, it's, it's, it was a journey. It was being on top of the world. It was being the best. It wasn't, it wasn't something tangible. Right. That's always in there. So how are you going to beat Marlon? No pressure. Um, how am I going to beat him? Um, I'm, I'm going to beat him because I'm a gamer. I'm going to beat him because I find ways to win. And again, and I'm going to beat him because I respect him. And that's, that's, that's how and that's why I'm going to beat him. Anything special in the, in, to train for this one? He's got power. He's, he's dangerous. He's, uh, he's, like I said, man, I, I, you can even call him, you, I can even say that I'm a fan of his style of fighting. But for that reason, too, I want to knock the block off his head because I'm my biggest fan. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. June 8th. So it's 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 funnier. It's crazy. He's gonna get into character. Like these guys, they don't they don't know, they don't they don't know the mind as much as you think they know it. He's fake. Oh, he's uh, he's not a good guy. I'm like, come on, man, you don't know me, dude. <laughs> That's what right. So does that bother you? No, it doesn't bother me. It's just no, it bothers me. It, it, it bothers me that he doesn't. That it it goes through that line of character. It's like, come on. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm listening to him talk about you. He's attacking your character left and right. Yeah, and it's Little okay, selfish. I love you too, Marlon. Yeah. <laughs> Little selfish guy. I want to put him to sleep. He wants to hurt you. Don't text me. Don't talk to me. We're fighting. All that stuff. Yeah, first of all, I don't have his number, so I don't even know where he got that from. I think if, if I ever try to do something like that, it was just to tell Ali, because he represents both of us, it was just to tell him, like, hey, man, don't get family involved. I says, I respect you. I know you have kids. You have a wife. 
I says, don't, don't get my family involved. That was it. Interesting. So, well, I ain't trying to be his friend. Trust me. I, I believe you. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, the messenger. It's a. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I think that jersey looks sweet on you. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't give that one away. I don't. No, I'm not going to. I'm gonna hang it up, man. I'm gonna hang it up. And I just got this. Uh, this gold chain too by Bixler, the official sponsor for the UFC, the jeweler, and they made a. Wow. They made a little dove. Oh. And uh, it's pretty cool, man. So it's it's the length of my gold medal, and uh, it was you know done specially for me. And I want to say thank you so much to Jevin and uh, Bixler for for the great gift. Very cool. Henry the Messenger Cejudo, June 8th, United Center, but at Henry Cejudo on Twitter. Yeah, thank you guys, man. You guys make sure to get your tickets. It's going to be fireworks uh, June 8th, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to put on a show for you guys. And thank you to all the fans, and thank you to all you trolls. I love each and every one of you. Whether you <laughs> like me or not, I'm going to find a way to make you cringe. For the trolls. <laughs> Henry, we'll see you. <laughs>
fucking hell yeah we are and so we get in we had to go into this elevator Wait, hold on. i yeah. just want to just name that ashley's looking at you so jealous right now <laughs> continue on and so then we get so they like take us in this elevator and we get in there and you know we're with some other people from the wedding party and they the first thing that happens is they complimented my attire complimented my jacket it was actually my roommate's jacket so shout out to jack for giving me that way to go jack and, yeah, and so, and then we get up there, and then it's just cocktail tires. It's beautiful. I showed you guys a picture, right, where we were, Grand Wyndham. It was, like, in the penthouse, you know, which was cool. So I was really excited when the guy in the elevator pushed the, pushed the PH button. I was like, hell yeah, we're going to the penthouse, baby. <laughs> uh, and then we just, um, throughout the evening, you know, I probably had an entire bottle of Maker's Mark uh, to myself. I had a lot of whiskey drinks, and I don't know, I just... Almost feel like you're still affected on this. This that was Saturday. It's Monday. You got it's a little Saturday. bit. You got a little bit of a grime on you right now. It was. It was. Uh, yeah, it was a little grime, but it was. It was. It was. It was. A, it was a hell of a time. First, we honestly were going as as brother and sister. As well, that was our idea. But the thing is, is everyone just assumed that we were dating, so we went with that. Um, but so we would go up to people and we would talk to them and we would say that we. The first thing that we did was ask them how are they connected to the wedding, so that we could find out who they were. And so whatever they said, we would say we're on the opposite side were cousins on the opposite side. So they'd be like, oh, okay, cool. We have no reason to have any idea who you are. Who would ever think that there's wedding crashers at the wedding? Exactly. And that's what I was saying is that like, we were like, oh, everyone's looking at us, but no one's really looking. You don't go to a wedding and be like, is that person crashing? Because I don't know them. Like, you don't care. So we just went, you know, drank, had some hors d'oeuvres. And then we went downstairs. They were like, okay, it's time to go downstairs to go to the tables and everything like that. We met our uh, cousin, Patrick. Okay. We were hanging out with him for a while. Red hair, cool guy, uh, lives in, lives in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and so we, we go downstairs and you know, we see the tables and we're like, okay, what are we going to do now? Because we obviously don't have a place card. And so we waited around. We heard, uh, I think, uh, grandpa's speech. Did grandpa make a speech? I think so. We were kind of outside for that speech. And then we kind of were eyeing in. I kind of walked in and out, you know, and it was like looking. And I saw these two seats next to our cousin Patrick. And no one was sitting there. No one was sitting there after this first speech. And after the first speech, I was like, it's already been 10, 15 minutes. Everyone's downstairs now. No one's coming. Those people aren't coming. So we just made the, made the run for it and sat down there. Had a, had one moment where then the caterer came up to us and she was like, what did you guys order? And Chelsea said, um, I think a, a chicken and a veggie, just on a whim. And then the, the caterer said, there's no there's no veggie option here. Like, no one ordered vegetarian. And I'm like, first of all, at a wedding of 200 people, right? How did no one – you don't know a single vegetarian person? That just seemed crazy to me. That That is uh, – that's not uh... – it's not 1976, man. Right. I'm you saying 2019, veg- in my wedding, there's, I'm not a vegetarian, but there's going to be a vegetarian, I have to imagine, at my wedding. But anyways, we had the chicken. It was delicious. The only part we had to get up for was um, Chelsea got nervous when the, when the bride and groom started making their rounds, you know, to go around the tables. Um, and so first the bride came over, and I was like, listen... Everyone at this table already believes that I'm on the groom's side and I'm a cousin, so she probably doesn't know me anyway. So I was okay. I was just eating my food. And then the groom came coming over, and then that's when I had to get up and go to the bathroom because, you know, I didn't want to be there for that. So you see him coming, or is he already at the table when you get up? No, I, I saw the bride. I mean, the bride was, like, at the other end of the table, and she was, like, putting her hands around, you know, her 
other cousins or whoever those people were. And then, uh, yeah. And then I was like, I'm fine. Like she doesn't know who I am and she wouldn't. Cause I'm, I'm Dan, I was on Dan's side, you know, right. that was Aaron was the bride obviously. And I was on Dan's side. And so, uh, and so, yeah. So then I was like, we're fine. I'm just gonna eat my chicken. And I was trying to eat it really fast. Cause I was really good and I wanted to eat it. And then, and then I see Dan coming over and then Dan, he's kind of skipping over. He's really excited to come over to our table. And then I was like, well, uh, now's a good time for, for Logan to get up and, and go to the bathroom. Okay. Then no one says anything to you. No one says anything you to me. Dan. So yeah. So the people at our table, they were, we, we kind of established that we had lost our place card. And so we were like, we're not really sure we're at the right table because they were all cousins on Aaron's side. And we were like, we're cousins on Dan's side. What are the odds <laughs> of that? And so, and so they were like, oh, that's fine. Whatever. You know, and everyone's just at a wedding. We're having fun, drinking wine, champagne. Level of nerves when going through the whole thing. Were you enjoying yourself? I mean, it sounds like you were at like a seven so, out of 10. So, so the cocktail was the first cocktail hour was easy, right? Because just, just people standing around drinking, like who cares, right? But I feel like, like you said, the cocktail hour is easy because right. everyone's mm-hmm. mingling. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But it's like it almost got more challenging as you drank more. So I'm I'm interested well, by this dynamic. Yeah. So so that I mean right. So once we're right, and then we get to the table, and so that's nerve wracking because we're I mean we're out in the open. Everyone everyone's there. You know, the lights are on. Um, and the people at our table, we kind of, you know, we talked to them a little bit and we ended up becoming really good friends with them after, cause then after the table, so then afterwards dinner's over and they cut the cake and then the caterer comes over to our table and she's like, Hey guys, like everyone's going back upstairs now to like, to go back up to the, where the cocktail room for all the dancing and drinking and stuff. Um, so you guys, you guys should be trendsetters and go. And we were like, hell yeah, we'll be trendsetters and get out of here. And then as soon as that happened, we were just like, we're in the clear, like nothing bad can happen at this point. And so, then the night only got better from there. So why not punt before the dinner? Like I would have been like, this is a success. We had drinks, we survived. I really don't need the chicken, but you just you wanted you wanted to be able to have this moment where you we did the whole thing basically. I, I mean, I guess that's the difference between me and you. You know, um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a world class champion. So we thought about we th- we thought about doing was we went into like we were sitting in this other room while the first speech was going on, and we thought about you know what, let's just go to another hotel. Maybe we'll catch another like cocktail hour for a different wedding. Cause that was our original plan. We're like, oh, we'll go to this wedding. We'll see. We'll go wedding hopping. Um, but then we were just like. It's, we're already a little, we've already been here. We already know some people. I see these two seats. It's just like it's meant to be, you know. So we just yeah. went and did it, and that was nerve wracking. But then we knew that as soon as we made it past that, and we'd come back up for the for the cocktail, for the dancing and everything, that then we just then we would have made it. And then you know, when we get up for the cocktail for the uh, for the dancing part, and you know, the lights are dim, drinks are flowing, everyone's drunk. We actually made really good friends with uh, Brittany, uh, who's uh, who's a cousin, I guess, and uh, and <laughs> her cousin. her father in law Ray. And uh, Aunt Betty came over to us, and she invited us over for Christmas. There was an Aunt Betty. Aunt Betty was there. Aunt Betty was there. And she. So when Aunt Betty was sitting at our table, and when I came (laughs) back from the bathroom, and she was sitting, I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna." Aunt Betty's clearly there. She was just stopping by to say hi to the other people. And so then I came, and she was like, "Oh, I miss you guys." That when I came to the table, and we were like, "Yeah, we're Logan and Chelsea." And so, and then, (laughs) and then, and then Aunt Betty. I mean, she loved us. She invited us over for Christmas, and they told. And so apparently. Chelsea and I were had been in now we're in a relationship and so they wanted us to get married and so um, so Brittany told Chelsea that you can either come to Christmas with a ring or with a new boyfriend. Oh wow! Damn. Yeah, shots fired at Logan. So are you gonna go to Christmas? <laughs> That's what I want to know. So I actually do have um, I do have cousin Brittany's number. Okay, um, so this is the other part that freaks me out mm-hmm. in the world of social media. Right. 
if I met met a cousin and then I added them on like Instagram and they didn't follow the groom, I'd be like, ding, 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 red flag. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're smarter than, than no one else thinks like that. I don't think so. Also, if if Brittany, I'm so scared to get caught. If if Brittany just put like my phone number, which she now has, which was probably a mistake. You we gave were like, the real phone number. Did this you is, ever forget that your name was Logan the whole night? That's the other thing. You're drinking. I'm like, I'm Ashley. I, <laughs> um, I, we really, you know, on the, in the Uber ride there, we really talked about our backstory that we were from Seattle. We moved here to, actor yeah, shit. I <laughs> listen, I've, I've, I've done a lot of uh, improv in my life. Um, so, so yeah, so, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I didn't, we didn't forget. I thought I heard Chelsea a couple times say Ethan a couple times, but then we stuck with it. And as I showed you guys earlier, but for the people out there listening, um, we took in their photo booth, we took some sweet photos and we put in their scrapbook, love, love Logan, uh, love Logan and Chelsea. Congrats. You just take a look at that. You guys, you I just cannot believe how much you leaned into this. Like shamelessly put your photos in their scrapbook. And we got Do asked for guilt? sure by the, uh, do you feel guilty at all that well, you so that's what, I mean, so that's happily my, so, newly married couple? So that's what I'm asking you guys. I mean, would you, if it was your wedding, you know, would you guys feel, um, would you feel upset about this? Honestly, Especially after the fact, right? They're, they're going to find out. This is what I think, right? We were definitely professional photographers. At the end of the night, we were absolutely <laughs> carving up the dance floor. It's amazing that you're wearing a duck. <laughs> uh, it was a cool photo booth. Duck mask, whatever you call those. What would you call this thing? I think it was, like, I think it was supposed to be a unicorn mask. A unicorn yeah. mask. I mean, Sorry, it's, a it's like Halloween, duck. and you've got, and, and, and Chelsea's wearing, I mean, you got, you got both of you wearing the the. the the sunglasses, the obnoxious sunglasses. What is this sign? Get friends. Uh, best friends. Best uh, friends. Best friends. Best friends. Best friends. This is incredible. <laughs> uh, if I had somebody crash my wedding, which is coming up in November, I I, I would love it. I, okay, I think that's that'd be how I amazing. feel because I feel like so many people at a wedding are like old family members that you're obligated to invite. So to have like a young, fun couple like start the dance floor, yeah, go ahead. They're just so we we really tore it up, and at the end of the night, there was you know the the we divulged into a. Um, into a circle, right? And then I was the first one in like the cir- the mosh circle, whatever, just doing my dancing, and everyone's just just screaming and dancing. This is the point where I've already taken off my jacket, I've unbuttoned a couple buttons, you know what I mean? Because okay. I was getting real hot and sweaty. And we, I mean, we we carry we put the team on our back. Are you telling me that you guys closed down the wedding? We closed down the wedding. We were there for the last song, so, the I mean, last song. So that means that you're there with the bride and groom, who oh, like, yeah. just think you belong at this right. point. We we talk. We we I mean we took a picture with the bride and groom and Brittany <laughs> and her husband Matt, and you know. We, I, I, they didn't, you know, <laughs> no one asked at that point. At that point, everyone's so drunk, you know, but here's our, here's, that's, the lights are up. This is at the end of the wedding because the lights are up, right? And so we're there and bride and groom, Aaron and Dan, congrats, Aaron, by the way. completely clueless. This is amazing. <laughs> sure. I mean, this is a podcast. You can't see it, but Ethan's got like this <laughs> shit-eating grin on his face like, hey, we're, we're here. Selfie we made it to the, the end. Every, yeah, every, about every 20 minutes, uh, I would just look over at Chelsea and I was like, can you fucking believe that we're doing this right now? And it just, it just worked out in every way. It just worked out so perfectly. Um, we got invited over to Christmas. I mean, that's not to mention that we're not to mention that we're yeah. both Jewish and don't celebrate Christmas. I mean, that's just. A, but either way, I mean, if we get invited, we might have to go anyways. Are you, I think if you go to Christmas, that would, <laughs> yeah, that would be incredible. What is if you just sat there at the Christmas table as you're eating the ham? By the way, guys, um, just want to let you know we crashed the wedding. We're Jews. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and we just you know really liked you guys. We wanted to come here and just like see what they say. Just sit there, and go stone faced. So we we I mean at the end of the night, Brittany gave us cousin Brittany gave us both a hug and she looked us in the eyes and she said, "I love you guys." <laughs> she said, "I love you," like with that deep you know when like that drunk mm-hmm. point where you just tell people that you love them. And oh, so yeah. she did that and. I, we thought so hard at the end. I wanted to tell someone. I was like, I wanted to tell anyone. I just couldn't break Brittany's heart because she was so in love with us that we were like distant cousins and she was really excited about that. But um, I, I wanted to tell someone. We just, we, we left and, and we just kept the secret good, to ourselves. Good, good job. Uh, congratulations. I don't know where you rank this in your accomplishments in life, but I would think that's oh, at it's the top. Top, top three. Three, yeah. top three. Yeah. Top three. Right. Top three. I mean, I don't know, graduating college? Where do we go? No, my God, no. The, the other, really, it's top two. The other time was the night that I met uh, Shaq. Uh, all right, on that note, let's, uh, let's bring in Jessica I, who's fighting in UFC 238. Uh, this is a nice right turn here. It's a serious conversation. Jessica uh, is awesome, and she's, um, she's a long shot here, but she's got a shot at the title. And uh, some vulnerable stuff with her dad, who's passed away, and they had a very uh, challenging upbringing, the two of them. Uh, Jessica shares a ton here. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. That is next on On the Mark. UFC 238, Saturday, June 8th. The United States, look who's here. It's Jessica, the evil eye. I'm kind of like a fruit. What's up, what's up with this evil eye thing? How long have they been calling you the evil eye? Since, uh, my fir- since after I won my first fight ever. As an amateur, so 13 years. Did you? Was that a, a instant embrace? You know, I like that. I'm the evil eye. Don't mess with me. Well, it's kind of it kind of goes both ways. So my dad um, ran with a lot of biker gangs, and they called him the evil one. Wow. So he was always called the evil one. And then after my fight, like all my friends and like my family were like, "Gosh, Jess, you go in there and you're just evil." And I'm like, you know what? They're like, you should call yourself the evil eye. And I was like, all right, you know, I think I'm going to stick with that. I like it. It's got a ring to it. Did that uh, develop over time? Because I'm thinking about, you know, you're fighting Valentina, who, like, she basically came into the world and, like, started fighting, right? I mean, that's her whole family was there. And you sort of came into it a little bit later. Um, no, I guess it, that's all perception. You know, okay. I was a Midwest girl. You know, I, I, I had rough upbringing. You know, my, my dad... Um, dated multiple women um so i mean no matter what my my mom was in the picture so being tough and fighting through things was always my personality so no i didn't come from a kickboxing background so to speak and fighting but i fought some real stuff in life some real like real life fights you know and that's be emotion survival and and all of it yeah and so i'm a born fighter yeah i mean you you've talked about your dad a bunch so i was i figured we'd, we would bring it up and he's, he's gone now what three years roughly um, roughly, yeah. yeah. It's been about three years. He um, he died of stage um, four brain cancer. It was called glioblastoma, which is an, um, if you know anything about it, it's an automatic, um, you know, death sentence. You nobody survives it um, longer than ten years. Um, most people are dead within eighteen months. And my dad did a, he fought hard. You know, he's a big man. He was um, six foot four, two fifty. You know, he's oh a big God. guy. He was yeah. not a little man by any means. So, um, he fought. He fought as hard as he could. And you you dealt with abuse from a very young age all the way through adulthood, yeah. and then you had stepped back for like okay my dad's out of my life, and then he gets sick, and you come back in and you do as much as you possibly can to help him with his battle and raising money. Yeah, you know the the crazy thing with my father is like, you know when you look back at it right like because now you know I don't hold on to the things that happened to me in an anger way right like my my dad's eulogy at the funeral the the guy said. Those who bear the shackles of the past carry it to the future. So it meant so much to me. I was literally like, 
that was when I had to learn how to like deal with things, right? And um, learning how to deal with the emotion of all the stuff that me and my brothers had went through, that I was like, you know, maybe I didn't understand at the time my dad was going through some of these things. You know, I'm, I'm 32 years old. My dad was in his um, late 20s when he had me and my brother. So I, I wonder like, wow, maybe there were some emotional things that he was going through. And, and I hear the stories about it, you know, the things that he grew up, um, you know, my, my grandfather, his father um, killed himself and my dad found him at a young age, you know, and they, um, my dad came from some very serious abuse. I mean, we're talking, you know, 60s, 70s when all these things were going on. So, you know, back then you didn't have social media to run to when your dad was beating you or doing things, you know, no one really cared. And he was a farm guy and I think that, um, he struggled with a lot of emotion, you know, bad emotion, and I feel bad for him, you know, and, and I, for, for a long time, I didn't feel bad for him, you know, I hated him, um, and because of that, our relationship from the time, you know, I left home at 18, um, before I even finished my senior year of high school, because me and my dad got in a huge argument, because he didn't like the guy I wanted to date at the time, and instead of working through it as like a dad and daughter should, he kicked me out, and I left, and I, I graduated my senior year of high school living in, on my own. I had my own apartment in Akron, Ohio. Wow. I was driving myself to school to every day, and I mean, that was a decision that I made. So when I found fighting, um, I wasn't talking to any of my family at the time. It was something that I had made the decision on my own. When I went to have my very first fight, I reached back out to my father, um, my stepmother at the time, and my little brother. And I was like, I'm doing this fight and stuff, you know I mean? I guess it's kind of our, our background as a family. You know, we always were tough-nosed people. Um, but I'm doing this fighting stuff, and I would love for you guys to be there. I don't want to. I want to give you the chance to tell me no or not. And my dad just embraced me with love and said, "You know, kiddo, I I miss you. I miss you so much. I'm his only daughter." So he's like, "You know, I I I, I want to be there for you." And probably for about five six years, our relationship was inseparable. It was like we had the relationship I always wanted with my dad. He would tease me and be like, "My my daughter should have been my son. She's so much tougher than them." And we just had this incredible relationship and we had some struggling moments in between there um, unfortunately ab abuse is something that he um always inflicted on all of us um and it wasn't until you know i was 26 years old when he put his hands on me again that i, I stepped away from him for for many years you know he, he embarrassed me and he hurt me and you know i just had told the world about all the great things he had did not about the things that we had struggled with as kids so um you know, he put his hands on me again, and I and I walked away for a really long time. And then he came down with uh, brain cancer, and you know, I, I made the decision to go back because you know, no one should have to walk into those kinds of uh, circumstances alone. You know, and, and I loved my dad. I knew that he was struggling, so I helped him fight the good fight for as long as I could um, until some more bad habits showed through while he was struggling with the cancer. And and I just at that point I couldn't deal with it. And it showed I lost all those fights during those times. You yeah. know, there's a lot of emotional things happening. And, and I didn't know who I was during that time. And I feel like, um, you know, as sad as it is to say, I think my father passed away happy um, in life, you know, with terms with each other. And I feel like he's up there shining down on me because he was like, baby girl, we got the flyweight division. Go get that title. So um, I'm very fortunate, you know. So I, I try to look at the, those moments and and use them as a, a way to embrace the future instead of look back on the past. Yeah, what, what's your advice for, because obviously you, 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 you developed a lot of empathy for your dad and you saw him you know, clearly in his struggle. So for somebody who's coming somewhat from where you're coming from and 
their father or mother or whoever is sick and you want to have some form of closure beforehand that you, I think you were able to get. Like, how do, how do you, what would you tell somebody, like, this is, you don't want to carry this with you forever. Like, what would you say? I would tell them to, to go give yourself a chance to readdress the situation. You know, leave, leave no door, you know, um, closed or open that you feel that might need to be closed or might need to be reopened. You know, go give it a chance, you know, and you'll, you'll never regret it. I can tell you that because I, I, I don't regret going back. Um, I think that it was smart. Um, I think at first had you had asked me originally when it first happened, I said no and I didn't want to. But then um, I, I, I knew when I heard his... Um, his wife um, called me. I just I knew that it was the right thing to do, and I'm glad I did. You know, I'm glad for my heart that I did it. You know, and I would recommend anybody to go back and, and try and, and see how you feel. You know, I seen you talk about um, doing some. You got a sports psychologist to help you sort of connect with yourself better. Is that has that helped you? I'm assuming out of the ring, in the ring, in the octagon. So, um, you know, after my father's passing, you know, I was just struggling with a lot of different things. You know, my brothers were too. You know, like we. Um, there was just a lot of things, you know, when you when when death happens, right? Like, and it's not under the best circumstances. My dad, you know, was only in his fifties. He shouldn't have died that way. And yeah. um, no one should, you know, have to deal with cancer. You yeah. know what I mean? No one yeah. should ever have to go out that way, no matter what you've done in life. Um, and I feel, and, and and granted, my dad never hurt other people. He only just hurt his children the most. So unfortunately, you know, like that. I mean, we took the big ultimate of of it all, but he didn't deserve to feel less about himself. So um, I went and seen the sports psychologist just because it was, again, I, I was like, I'm losing fights. Like, I'm not being the best me. Like, maybe that somebody can help me channel this, you know, and maybe someone can help me get through this. Um, it wasn't for me. I at least tried it, right? Yeah, I yeah. went a couple of sessions. The guy was great. He worked with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was so kind to me. He heard my story. He let me talk, right? Like, and when I was able to talk about things, it was, I felt that that was therapy. So I started realizing that maybe sharing my story was better therapy yeah. than anything, that maybe I could not feel like I was the only one in the world dealing with this. Yeah. So um, it, it came and went. Um, it's not for me, but, you know, um, it, it was definitely, I'm glad I, I tried it because now I can give someone advice like, hey, Maybe you should see a sports psychologist. Maybe it is for you. It wasn't necessary for me, but it might be for you. How do you get yourself ready to keep going right now as far as just getting in there? You're not, you're not getting any younger here. You seem like the motivation's like super right there. Oh, no. I feel like my 30s are my prime. I know I'm not getting any younger, <laughs> but like I feel like my 20s, I, I've, I've, I struggled through my 20s. I learned a lot through my 20s. I'm finally living in my 30s. Like yeah. 30s have been the best years of my life, and I'm, I'm, I, I feel younger and better than I ever have. So, okay, how are we going to beat Valentina here? Um, you know what? So I, I see the fight going in so many ways, right? Like, I have had so many decision wins. I've been to the distance. Like, we know Jessica, I can go the distance. And I finished fights before, right? Like, the last time I was put on, like, kind of the hot seat back in Bellator, I finished her in under a minute. Um, I, I want the finish. I, I do. I, I want it. If it's not there, we don't, you know, it, it is what it is, but... I want to I want to get that finished just so that I can kind of put the dot on the eye, you know, where I'm like, look, you know, I am a force to be reckoned with. Like I am a, I am who I say I am and I am, you know, going to be the best in this division has ever seen. So I'm thinking you're more versatile. There's she's going to come at you one specific way. You could have are you playing around with different strategies? Not to give anything away here? Yeah, I mean, I'm I I 
every day I go in with something different, right? Like, okay, maybe she's like, you know, I'm not kickboxing. I'm just going to run across the cage and try to grapple her. I'm ready for that. If she doesn't meet me in the middle, you know, and we don't tap gloves and we're, we come out banging, then that's it. We'll, we'll figure out as the fight goes. And I think that that's something that I'm taking into this fight is my ability to adjust on the fly. And that's what makes someone really good, right? Like, that's what makes someone good is they can, by the moment, you know, yeah. it's just a snap of a finger, they make a better decision, right? Like, so I'm using that going into this fight. So you, you say snap of the moment. I think like like I see you sitting here. Like we could be on a ma- you could be on a magazine cover, and then mm-hmm. and then the snap of the bam, r- snap of r- finger, so evil. How, how does that work? Um, you know, I uh, it's it's that channeling, right? It's that it's that thing that happened to me. You know, as a kid, like all those moments, all of that, like all the bad moments, all of that is where I channel. And I love winning. I like I like feeling like a winner. I've spent so much time low and sad and depressed when I was losing and people were just beating me up emotionally and just saying all these things that like, when I felt the win side, the A side, when I felt the A side again, I was like, this is it, I'm staying here. There's no way anybody can pull me off this because I make that decision. You can't beat me if I make the decision to win. And that's what I've done since, since Return to Flyweight, you know, last January. Yeah, so I, I, got some, I got some stuff that Valentina's doing here. She says she's, uh, she's training in the wilderness and, 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 and doing things like in the cold to try to get her some form of advantage. Does that, does, that, does that scare you? She's out there no, in the cold. No, I'm from Cleveland. I just most recently moved to the desert. So you want to talk about cold? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, lived, um, I live in Cleveland. So I've seen, I've seen 90 degree, negative nine, um, let's see, every kind of weather that there is possible. But if that's what she needs to prepare herself, then so be it. You know, I mean, look. There's, um, there's no secrets in this sport anymore, right? Like, if you feel that training in the wilderness is going to make you feel like you're better, that's fine. I felt like going to the UFC PI where they have all this science, all this knowledge, right? Like, we live in a day and age where there's so much technology and, and knowledge behind science to make us better. I'm going where the science is so we can make me better that way, right? Like, if I can make myself 1% better because we've done a specific test that says, oh, Jessica's got, you know, fast hamstrings. If we train her hamstrings, that means that her punch will be that much better. I'm going with, with true facts, with scientific facts. Not, um, you know, I, I grew up in going camping. I don't need to do that anymore. So you're into math. You, you actually, yep. okay, interesting. I, I'm finding myself, yeah, more because you know what, the past 13 years when I was at Strong Style, I feel like I graduated this, that school of learning martial arts and learning like the hard rooted parts of it that like, I want to throw some science into it, right? Like, so you're telling me if I eat a sweet potato at this time after this workout, because we tested my blood and we know it reacts to sweet potato and becomes the best fuel for me. Let's do it, right? Like, let's use some science behind it. Yeah, you, we were just talking before you sat down. You got like this really healthy lunch. You got like, yeah. what do you eat? What do you eat all day? What's what's this? Is there? Do I have to eat these two eggs at eight a.m. and that helps me? I mean, I don't know if this is giving anything. So away. we're getting there, right? Like we're just now learning this. So like that's again, like I'm learning to use the scientific part of it that I've just done what has felt right by right. me, right? right? So now we're adding some science behind it. So we're not quite there yet, right? Like okay. they might be like, hey Jessica, you got to do a handstand while you eat two hard-boiled eggs and an avocado. You know, I mean, if it gets me one percent better, I mean, I guess I'm eating, I'm eating avocado and egg whites on my head. Is this gonna drive you crazy? You know, like, I don't know, like you're, you're just trying to get like that one inch better, that one little edge. 
Every well, day is one. Fun. But yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I like learning new me. I yeah. like it, right? Like, yeah. I'm just, my life has always been about comfort that everything I've done in the past year has been uncomfortable. I left my longtime team who I'd been 13 years with. You know, like, I moved to Las Vegas in a decision I made in two hours and was done in two weeks, right? Like, I made the decision I was going to be the UFC flyweight champ. And I mean, look, here we are. You know, I'm sitting here talking to you and yeah. these were all new things to me. So, like, if I can do one thing different every single time and it makes me that much better just by doing it, then yeah, let's do it. So 125, 135. I'll never go back to Bantamweight. I'll okay. never go back to 135. It's just not the weight class for me. It's it, how I always try to explain it to people is I feel like I sat, I, I let go of the 20 pound kettlebell I had in my hand for so long, right? Like go run a mile holding a 20 pound kettlebell, right? It takes you 10 minutes. Put that 10 pound, you know, 20 pound kettlebell down and go rerun it. Tell me how much faster you get. Right. How much better you get, right? You put the extra weight down and now you're, you're moving faster. And I feel like that's what's happening here is that they're seeing the real fighter that they recruited originally. I was never a bantamweight when the UFC found me. It was just about opportunity. And that was my decision to go up, you know? I, they didn't force me. They just gave me opportunity. I tried to succeed in that lane. I couldn't. And now a new lane has been created and I'm succeeding Great in it. Would you say you felt safer back then at one thing because you felt stronger? Or no, I no. felt less. I felt, I felt less safer for myself and less that I could protect myself because I was going against girls who were bigger than me, right? And just that much better. So like even like all of it, like I feel like I was trying to promote myself wrong. I feel like I was just not. I wasn't Jessica. I just wasn't me. And then there were so many outside influences going on at that time. Um, I, I I don't want to say I don't. I wish they didn't happen because then I don't think I would appreciate where I am now. Yeah. So, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, the past is the past. Now I can only focus on what I can do now and in the future. You, you mentioned Cleveland a couple times, so I want to give a little love to Cleveland and mm. Akron. You got any, like, LeBron connection going on here? I know you're at the United Center today. You've seen Jordan's statue. I feel like there's got to be something here. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm from Ohio. I'm from um, Rootstown is really where I'm from, and I know okay. you guys have no idea where that's originally from, but it's a suburb of Akron. Um, okay. And... From, you know, Akron, I went to college there and then went up to Cleveland. So it was, I just, I love Ohio, you know what I mean? I, I feel like a lot of the Midwest states, you know, and even, like, we're just forgot about, you know? Like, we're, we're not, like, your typical, like, New York or, like, Cali where, like, all the action's going on. So when people, if you can make it in Cleveland, you can make it anywhere. I, I believe that. <laughs> I, I 100%. What about... Uh, did you think that there would be the WNB MMA at, at some point? Did you see this as something that was going to happen for you? Were you, were you dreaming that it was going to happen? Um, so I created a tagline from after my first fight, and um, me and my dad actually did this together um, back then. But he um, would say to me, I believe, kiddo, right? Like, because at the time, you know, there was no women's fighting um, still. You know, it was local stuff, right? Like, right. and there were no women had fought in Cleveland before I was the first female to fight in Cleveland. And then, um, so it was like, I just had this overwhelming sense of belief, right? Like, I just knew that I was supposed to be doing this. It was the one thing I felt most right doing, right? Like, anytime when anything bad ever happened in the sport, like, with me, when I took those losses, like, as much as, like, you know, people had tried to say, Jess, maybe you should think about retiring, right? Like, and it wasn't retiring because I wasn't good enough. It was because the people that loved me most got so sick of seeing that sad Jessica face, right? Like, and I identified myself with all that. So I think that... Um, now that things are different, right, like, and I always kept that self-belief, like, now people are going, wait a minute, like, 
I can believe in myself too, right? Like even things might seem like a little doubtful, right? But I got this one little inch holding me on that that one little inch turns into a mile and then a mile turns into 10 miles and then it's just, you know, it's full on, you know, everyone's there doing it and look where we're at now, you know? My first fight was in um, 2008. I mean, look where we are almost 10 years later, you know, from, from that. Do you, do you, uh, you have any relationship with Dana? Do you... Yeah, he's great. I mean, Dana's, the, he's, I did uh, um, entertainment tonight with him um, a couple weeks ago, but now I'm at the CPI regularly, so he's there all the time. And, you know, I, I appreciate him, and he's the reason I was given a second chance. You know, yeah. most fighters don't lose four fights, you yeah. know, and get a chance to stay around, but he basically kind of gave me, like, like the, the get your shit together or, you know, or we're going to get rid of you. And I got, I got it together. Here we are three wins later, you know, and, and I'm able to talk with you about a title fight. It's, it's amazing. Congratulations. Right? You, it is. It's you cool. You live under a lot of pressure, right? I mean, it's, but, it's, but you're, it's, it's, it's the Pressure is perception. Okay. Pressure is perception um, at, at this point. Um, so for me, like, there's, what pressure do I have? Like, I mean, I know I'm going to win, right? Like, I know what I know, but I feel like everybody else, like, that's just, it's all, the pressure's on everyone else to make the right decision, right? Like, post it out on Twitter that, oh, I was the one who said Jessica was going to win, right? Like, I, there's, how is there any pressure on me? Like, I already know what the outcome's going to be. I like that. But I just comparing you guys to other athletes, get long-term contracts. You got, it's, it's on the line every Always, time. Always, yeah. I mean, you got to, like, sink or swim, you know? And I think I said this before. I spent a lot of time um, in some really deep waters, and I got my head above water, and now I'm just going to be walking on it as, as, as long as I can. All right, June 8th, United Center. What's it going to feel like when you get out there? Look at that smile. <laughs> it's incredible because, like, I'm so good at visualizing, and I and I, I I just I feel it. I feel I feel my hands clenching. I just I feel my fists just giving every bit of power, and I just I can't wait to feel my hand raised, right? Like because that's a feeling that when you're in there and you feel that it's it's empowering. It's just like an overwhelming sense of power for yourself and confidence and. I just, I can't wait. I can't wait to be there. I know it's so many months away, so I don't want to, like, exhaust myself, but it's definitely <laughs> my thoughts every day. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see everyone June 8th. Tickets on sale. Friday. Friday, this coming Friday. Yeah. Ticketmaster. So if you're watching this later than that, they went on sale on April 5th, but if you're watching today, April the 5th, uh, get them. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be breathtaking, right? Like, let's everyone should tune in to see some amazing historical stuff, right? Like, I think everyone, like, is second guesses it until they see it. So I, I'm going to tell you right now, June 8th, you're never going to forget this moment. The evil eye. You kind of came with a sweet eye today. I appreciate you sharing I your did. story. You know, I'm, look, I'm, I'm doing the girl thing today. You'll see me when I, when I, my hair's braided. It's all business. Great to talk to you. Thanks for checking out On The Mark with Mark Carmen, And thank yous, of course, to Ashley Young and my massage therapist and the new one. The Wave for hopefully going away. And our guest today, Henry Cejudo, Jessica I, Ethan Blumenthal. Most importantly, thank you for checking out On The Mark with Mark Carmen. Please subscribe, tell a friend, give a rating. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we will see you next Monday afternoon on the mark with Mark Carmen coming out every Monday afternoon. We'll see you next week.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.